Last week, we kicked off the addiction series with a better understanding of addiction affecting our youths. Today, we will touch upon the treatments for addiction with our guest, Delaine Hill, licensed chemical dependency counselor, and Matab Muradi, Ibnasina Behavioral Health Project Manager. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Good morning. How are you all doing this morning? Lovely. <laughs> I had the pleasure of talking to you outside before the show began, and just a little glimpse of your life, and it, it's, you know, it's... It was really nice to hear about the work that you do, and you've been doing it for so many years. So let's begin with, uh, you know, a brief introduction of yourself and the work that you do in, you know, helping our, um, in our community. Okay, so again, my name is Lynn Hill, and I've been a licensed chemical dependency counselor since the 1990s. And I pretty much have worked with all individuals from preteens, adolescents, all the way into late adulthood. Um, most of the people that I have served were either coming straight out of the criminal justice system or they were in a mental health facility. Mm -hmm. I do my best to try to connect with those individuals on their level to help them understand what it is that is happening in their world and help them get past those barriers or build skills and strategies to deal with the barriers that's going to keep them in the cycle of abuse, of substance abuse. So as far as treatment? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> she has so much knowledge. I mean, she does, yes. Okay, so when I um, started in the field, they had this model called therapeutic confrontation. And in therapeutic confrontation, they would tear you down mm -hmm. and then build you back up. Mm -hmm. As treatment and research has progressed, we have moved from that very confrontational model to a more person-centered model. And most treatment facilities today utilize the person-centered approach. And most every treatment facility is evidence-based. Okay. Uh, meaning that the research is there, they know what works, and, and those are the models that are being used today. Mm -hmm. And some of the models that you may already be familiar with, you may have already heard of, is CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. Right. Right. And that's more talk. Let me talk to you about this. Let me see. And, and raise the incongruencies that you may tell me one thing, but on the other hand, you're saying another, another thing. And as a LCDC therapist, I need to point that out to you, hmm. not in a in a confrontational way, but to help you see. Okay, you're saying this, but you really mean this. Correct. Okay. Another one that is more popular today is dialectical mm -hmm. behavior therapy, known as DBT. Mm -hmm. Okay, and that started off working with people in mental health, uh, schizophrenic, mm -hmm. but they saw that that model works very well for substance abuse. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, and and you did mention like now you don't use the term addiction, right? Um, I don't like the term addiction, but the industry is moving away from the term addiction because there's so much stigma Correct. associated with that. And many many times, uh, uh, even today, a client will approach me or sit with me, and they tell me immediately, "I am not addicted," hmm. and I go, "You're right, you're not." 
you just let me uh, interview you and let me see what's going on with you. And in my professional opinion, I will tell you if you are developing a disorder. And if you are developing a disorder, we have a way of working with you to get past that disorder. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, if we're going to treat it like any other thing, you know, you're diabetic. Let's come up with a plan. Right. You know? Right, right. And we did say it is an illness. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Substance abuse wears down the body. Hmm. And it, uh, when it tears up the body that way, whether you're ingesting it into your lungs, you develop chronic lung diseases. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, it affects your reproductive system. Hmm. If you can't breathe and you're not getting enough oxygen to your lungs and to your brain and to your heart, what's, what's the next thing that's going to happen? Strokes and heart attacks. Correct. Okay. So we have more and more young people that are having strokes and heart attacks, mm-hmm. where before that was considered an advanced age type of disease. And it's happening more and more with younger and younger people. Mm-hmm. So y'all have worked together. Yeah. So <laughs> I met this beautiful lady many years ago when we were both working for an inpatient setting, a hospital, and we served adolescents and young adults. And um, Miss Hill was kind of our go-to. We had a clinical team. When we got really stuck, <laughs> we would call her like, please, there's a lot of comorbidities going on. This is just not your, you know, like baseline bipolar or schizophrenia. And she would, um, she would have focus groups on each of our units. So my unit was like schizophrenics and bipolar mm-hmm. young adults. And the things that she would help these adolescents and young adults with were just so profound for me. Like, we were using every therapeutic tool in in our toolbox, but she had a way of being so real and so informative. Her timing was impeccable Mm -hmm. when it came to confronting, like, what she talked about, the incongruencies. (laughs) And she dealt with the toughest People like these were um, court ordered individuals. They did not want to be there, so motivation was huge. Denial was even bigger than the motivation yeah, issue. Right. So the way she unpacked the um, the substance abuse for these kiddos, I, I still call them my kiddos. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I need to get away from that. Um, but it, it's just such a it, you know. We talked about addiction last week during our introduction session and the brain. But as a byproduct, so there's all these behavioral patterns. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes when, we, when we're not otherwise educated or informed, our behavioral patterns become our character. Absolutely. And then it becomes our, the, the way we cope with life. So how important it was to have Ms. Hill there to help these young individuals learn that there is another way to cope mm-hmm. with these things that seem, you know, traumatic or unbearable. And I just, I found such a great appreciation for her specialty because as you know, in the mental health field, it's just, it's tough to navigate. but. When someone has an LCDC license, that means they're exceptional at delivering motivational interviewing, which we call MI. They're exceptional at, um, you know, implementing CBT 
and creating accountability in the process of therapy, which is huge because, you know, in our offices, someone can come in and say, of course I'm working on what you told me to work on. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, because they don't want to let your, their therapist down. But, um, you know, the way you did it, and the kids would come back, and they were excited about her group, and they loved, like, the accountability. Right. And, and she had such a beautiful way of integrating, like, humor and being just a real human being with them and so it kind of made them put their guards down and share more sometimes her notes were way more valuable than my notes <laughs> <laughs> I'm like hmm let me see what's really going on <laughs> thank you my pal <laughs> she gave me a little bit too much credit <laughs> but that goes back to that person centered approach yeah. okay and, and making the individual feel like they're not a failure. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not damaged. Right. They're just an individual going through some trials and tribulations. Right. You know, and yes, you may not come from the greatest parenting, but you can get past this thing. Yeah. Let me show you how. Mm-hmm. Let me be on your side. I'm your team player. Mm-hmm. I'm not a therapist standing over you because I have this, I'm on a hierarchy greater than you are. I'm on your team. I'm on your side. I'm walking this walk with you. Come on, let me tell me what's happening with you. Yeah. Okay. So, and I inject the humor, but I try also try to find the way that they learn. Okay, because talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear people talking all the time, and it goes in one ear and out the other. But then I uh, employ experiential type of activities. Mm-hmm. Okay, get your hand involved in this. Um, let me get you involved as a leader. Mm-hmm. You, I'm gonna make you accountable for this other person. Make sure they do their homework for me. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I get each kid involved in in the treatment and and get them invested. Mm. I don't have to focus on me so much. Let me focus on my peer, and then we can help one another. And so that's just one of the techniques that I, I've been able to use with adolescents, and they're so much fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they keep you young. That's for sure. <laughs> They challenge you oh every my. single day, right? Right, right. I've had some great, great challenges with them. Um, we have to get past the adult child syndrome, if you will. If that's if that's a term I just threw out there. Okay. <laughs> so um, a couple of kids, you know, say, Miss Hill, um, you don't love me. Oh, the testing. <laughs> I go, yeah, you're right, I don't. I'm not your mother. I'm not concerned with whether or not you hot or cold. I'm not concerned with whether or not you have enough to eat. Now that we've gotten past that, what you want me to know? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. So I have wow. to tear down those walls. <laughs> Break through that resistance, okay? Break through that resistance. So, um, you know, those are the small little challenges. Oh, I got stories. <laughs> I, I want to hear one because, stories. like, that's the the thing everybody, uh, I think, imagines. First of all, it's it's so difficult to admit when you you've hit a wall because our society is so judgmental. Ooh, you're an addict. We immediately in our mind, it's like the person that's like you know on the side of the road. But yeah. addicts don't look like that. No, they don't. And they come from all walks of life. 
all walks of life. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter your, your social economic status. It really doesn't. Yeah. Okay? And it's about getting down to the core things. And I allow them to tell me their stories. One of my favorite stories. <laughs> One of my favorite. I was talking to a young man, and I said, tell me about mushrooms and these hallucinogens that you're taking. What is the appeal? What, what is it that you like about it? What happened? And he told me the first time he ever tried mushrooms, he was at a park with some friends, and there was ducks in the pond, and he took the mushroom. Then all of a sudden, he could understand the conversations that the ducks were having with one another. So, you know, this, this is, and I said, okay, let's talk about what's going on with your brain when this is happening. That's a wonderful thing that you can actually understand the ducks where you're able to talk back to them. <laughs> so, you know, you know, and it's, it's just rolling with that mm-hmm. and giving them that safe space where they can share those stories. And now he can tell me, oh, he was eager to tell me all kind of other things he experienced under the influence of substances because now he's not being judged and he's, you know, somebody's just listening to his stories, and I just want to tell you, Miss Hill, come on, let's walk in. I tell you a story. <laughs> you know, you just made me think of one that I we shared this kid. I, I can't mention his name, but he had uh, schizoaffective mm-hmm. and substance abuse. So he was seeing me for therapy, mm-hmm. and he was working with you for the substance abuse. And so we had, like, an inpatient, like, my unit was co-ed, so... One wing had the boys and the other had the girls, and in the middle had, like, the nurse's station. And uh, we had a lot of rules, but if you follow the rules, you got a lot of freedom, too. Correct. Um, And this one kid, uh, we had, I think, we didn't have a limit on how much food they can get, but somehow when he was not cognitively organized, I think he stole someone else's um, ham sandwich and like hid it underneath his bed. <laughs> and so our nurses found that. Of course, you know, there were all kinds of issues with that because we had a cafeteria. And so I kind of used the same approach of, you know, you do know here we have plenty of food for you, and all you need to do is let the nurse know. And he's like, but that ham sandwich was telling me to come eat it. <laughs> like makes me think of the duck story (laughs) and so then I'm like I see okay um but I do want but for me that was information right so I'm like sending an email to our psychiatrist I don't think we have him on the right antipsychotics because apparently sandwiches are talking to him Mm -hmm. and instructing him but um kind of you have to think outside of the box sometimes with anything in life and even like with dealing with mental illness because if you can truly capture what it means to that person absolutely then you're right it's like this wall comes down Mm -hmm. like oh finally somebody actually cared enough to listen to my story Mm -hmm. and why that particular story means so much to me instead of being punitive instead of being judgmental or let me fix you because fixing you makes me somehow a great therapist, mm-hmm. which that's not true at all. Because when you're doing any kind of intervention, if you didn't make it work for that person, yeah. you then fail. everybody failed, right? right? It doesn't even matter. And then the kid is discharged with no mm-hmm. skills. 
back into a family system that may not be the best family system, and you don't have a way of coping with the issues from the family. And I tell all my kids, this is not, I'm going to use my name, this is not a Delenn issue. Mm-hmm. This is Delenn and her family issue. So, yes, you're the one that seems to be singled out, but we need to rally around the entire family and work with the entire family. And I try to give them skills. Guess what, kid? When you go home, they're going to look at you as being the one with the problem and that you should have gotten fixed yeah. while you was in treatment. And they're okay. And they're going to say and do the same old things that upset you before. Let's get prepared for that. Let's here's some skills. Come on, let's let's mm-hmm. let's role play that. Yeah. I'm your mother, and I'm going to talk to you a certain kind of way. Let's handle this, okay? So you know, I try to get them prepared for going home because treatment—you can't live in treatment forever. Yeah, you, you got to live life on life's terms, and it's hard enough without drugs. Okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. I, I want you to speak a little bit on relapse and the risk of relapse. And- and yeah, yeah that, this kind of uh, segues into uh, relapse because if I don't learn how to manage certain feelings, the likelihood of me relapsing is very high. And the number one reason why a person relapses is relationships. Mm-hmm. Okay? It doesn't matter if it's an intimate relationship, mm-hmm. family relationship, or friendship. I don't care what ship you on. <laughs> what ship? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> uh, if you don't learn how to manage the challenges that come along with interacting with another individual, then that mm-hmm. risk of relapse is very high. Mm-hmm. Okay, and when you go back, if you, especially if you have been sober for a little while, and you go back, that first hit, that first smoke, whatever it is, you're gonna do it at the level that you left off at. And you're going to feel extremely high because your body had kind of detoxed from it. Your brain is starting to try to heal and uh, new neurons are being developed because you destroy some neurons and neurons mm-hmm. are being uh, redeveloped. So you get this rush, the dopamine rush all over again. Mm-hmm. But the danger in that when you relapse is that you can do too much, even with the same amount that you used to do because your body is no longer used to that. It's not accustomed to that anymore. And if you're a person that is using opiates and you go back to that same level or you go shoot up what you used to shoot up, boom, now you're in the emergency room because you just OD. Yeah. Okay? So relapse is a, it's a, it's a very tricky thing, and, and the whole idea of treatment is to prevent the relapse. Right. Now, we're going to work with the core issues and try to help you understand what the triggers are and what got you where you, you know, got you in this mess. Because a, a lot of times people don't know how they got there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay? They don't know how they got there. So we're going to deal with that. And then before you leave, we're going to give you some skills and strategies to prevent the relapse. Hmm. Now it's up to the individual on what they're going to work on. Right. And whether they work it or not. Yeah. Wow, a lot to talk about. <laughs> a lot to cover. 
<laughs> so let's just uh, go on a short break, and when we return, we will continue continue our conversation with Miss Hill and Mata Muradi. Uh, this is a great conversation. We're talking about recovery, treatment, and touching a lot on you know the understanding even more on addiction. We started off that way, but there was there's so much more to cover. So let's uh, take a short break, and when we get back, we will continue our conversation. This is Chai Time on 103.5 Hum FM. Welcome back to Chai Time on 103.5 Hum FM. We are in conversation with Ms. Hill and Mata Muradi, and we are talking about uh, addiction and recovery. So let's continue with that. Okay, so where were we? Relapse. Relapse. Yeah, we were at relapse. Uh, And if you are an individual out there listening to us right now Mm -hmm. and you're struggling with addiction, the holidays are coming up. Mm -hmm. I know you don't want to go into treatment and you want to be with family. This is a very, very high risk time of the year. Okay, And I say to you individuals, listen to me, you know your families, you know what triggers you. Enjoy the holidays. But if you have a a parent or a sister or brother, someone in the family that will push that button, think about how long in the process it will take for them to start uh, coming at you, pushing your buttons. So my advice to you would be enjoy the holidays, but have an exit plan. So maybe Thanksgiving dinner is not the best time. Maybe it's the day after Thanksgiving, after Thanksgiving for that um, that 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 after Thanksgiving meal. Leftovers, your brunches and stuff like that. Some you know some families have yeah. the pre-Thanksgiving breakfast. Right. Thanksgiving, yeah. then after Thanksgiving, um, you know, a different meal altogether, like a fish fry or whatever. You know your people. Mm. You know what's going to trigger you. Okay? Just have an exit plan. Okay? <laughs> have an <laughs> exit plan. Don't. I know everybody's drinking and, and enjoying themselves. It is not necessary for you to uh, partake in the alcohol. There are other beverages that uh, an individual can enjoy. You may have one cousin that you feel most comfortable with. Spend that time with that person. Mm -hmm. By all means, do not use alcohol and drugs. This is a very high-risk time, and the suicide rates Mm -hmm. go up at this time. Mm -hmm. And there's a big correlation between substance use and suicide. Because you already, your brain is already saturated, and you're not thinking clearly. You you cannot think clearly, and, and... that failed relationship starts to come back into your 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 memory, mm-hmm. and you get depressed. And if you don't have the right people around you to help pull you out of that that state of mind, it's so easy to say, "I give up." Okay, mm-hmm. I give up. But reach out to someone. You have at least one trusted person, and it might be. I'm sorry, guys. It might be that you cannot spend the holidays with your families. Yeah, I was just about mm. to say that. You know, that may be the safest thing in the world for you to do. Okay? So Mexico is a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Volunteer. You know, the food, uh, food bank in George R. Brown is serving Thanksgiving to yes. uh, homeless oh, and yeah. uh, indigent individuals. Maybe... Don't spend Thanksgiving with your family. Just volunteer and help other people out and it may mm-hmm. release mm-hmm. some of that good 
dopamine into your system, you know, yeah. not, not the dopamine that you got the rush from, from the cocaine that you just snorted, right. you know, but, yeah. but, but doing something for someone else and you're not really focused on yourself. Hmm. I love that. Yeah. I mean, it's great advice. I, I, I want to echo that because, um, you know, this is the reason why I took my vacation last month because mental health is so, um, demanding during the holidays. Sometimes it's people who struggle with substances. Sometimes it's, you know, a reliving parts of your grief. Maybe you always would go to that, you know, grandmother's house for Thanksgiving, and now she's no longer. Absolutely. So you have this big void. You mm -hmm. know, what do I do now? And then that makes you more susceptible to drink and self-soothe and, well, self-medicate. Right? Yeah, I, I, I would use self-soothe, you yeah. know, because essentially that's what you're doing. You're trying to make yourself feel better. Right. Okay. But even more importantly, I think to normalize, you know, sometimes I'll have people call me and say, I, I, I totally get what you're saying, that I need to give up this habit, but... It's impossible to escape the pressure of alcohol. And we always think of, you know, teen peer pressure. I think adults are worse. Mm. Absolutely. You know, you have no idea. Like, I, I cannot um, believe how I made it out of UT Austin without drinking, <laughs> you know. But I'm, I have a very strong personality, but many people don't lead themselves. It's a lot easier to say, okay. It's just one. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or how many times we find other adults, intelligent adults, fully functioning adults, trying to sell like a jello shot to, you know, oh, you just got a divorce? Have three. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Without knowing this private battle. Mm. And trust me, those are not the friends that want to clean up your life when mm. it gets to to the point where you need someone like her or someone like me. That's right. And we do tell people all the time, you have to change your associations, mm -hmm. okay, your circle of influence. I mean, because if you just stuck right here in this one little circle, this one little bubble, how do you break free from that? Okay, we have to expand our circle of influence and hopefully you learn the skills and strategies to include the kind of people that are supportive of you. And that doesn't always mean family. Yeah. I'm sorry, guys. I, you know, I'm not trying to um, uh, tear down families or anything, but sometimes we got to step outside of our nuclear family, the families that we were born into. And, and make a family with other people. They may not be called mom or dad, mm -hmm. but they may have give you the same kind of guidance and support as a healthy mother or father would do. Mm -hmm. Okay? Uh, by all means, find that space, that safe place for yourself. Right. That's the most important thing to, mm -hmm. to do. I have to say this. Someone said to me once, well, blood is thicker than water. And I said, but which one do you want to drink? Now, y'all rest on that for a minute. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a second of silence here because I think we are trying to yeah. process that. Yeah. 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 Which one are you going to drink? You're going to drink the one that is going to, that you can pick up anytime that's going to nurture you? Mm. Or one that requires medical intervention to nurture you? <laughs> Wow. So, I mean, I, I do that kind of stuff. I, I apologize. That's, 
Mm-hmm. No, it makes total sense because as you're, tr- and even there's another layer to it, right? The, the likelihood, like maybe you're, you're genetically, you know, inclined for addiction yes. or diseases. Yes. And maybe your whole family, like they have the same struggle. So then that kind of becomes the culture of your family environment. Yeah. I, I've gone to a funeral and this was so odd for me because I'm very much about like feeling the emotions of what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. And then once I feel it, I'm literally ready to get on with the next thing. But I went to a funeral at that it started off like the day from the moment they found out they lost their grandmother to the the burial. I mean, it was just constant vodka. I mean, this was the whole the the sibling system. And to the point where they had to choose someone not as a family member to give the speech. Oh, my. They were so slaughtered. I'm like, oh, my God, no wonder, you know, these guys are always... And they they don't talk to each other. There's all these silos within their family Mm -hmm. system. But I'm like, you're at a funeral. And you need... Just like, you know, I don't want to keep focusing on alcohol either, but we have, like food addictions we have addictions towards sleeping aids right Mm -hmm, instead of really talking about what's going on in your life we just want to numb and and always pretend like life is fantastic life is not always fantastic and it's okay yeah and it's that's right it is very much okay it is very very much okay it is very much okay to walk away give yourself a break from whatever it is that is making you feel bad. Mm-hmm. You know, every toxic relationship, walk away. Give yourself a break from it. And then that might look like sister. Mm-hmm. Just, I'm not saying erase your family. Right. Give yourself a break. You need to heal. Your mind needs to heal. Your spirit needs to heal. Give yourself a chance to heal. Walk away from toxicity. Mm-hmm. And that includes alcohol, drugs, gambling, sex, or whatever that substance might be. Yeah. Okay? We have to walk away from some of those things, give ourselves a break, heal, breathe. Mm-hmm. And it, it's difficult to do. Yeah. And, and the sad part is family dysfunctions, generational dysfunction becomes a tradition. Yeah. Then yeah. gets too normalized and these set patterns. You know, one thing I want to ask you, because... When I'm working, for example, with couples, um, they're coming to me with these issues, right? And I know when you run into someone struggling with substance abuse, you have to pause and kind of have that person get the right help. Because I think metaphorically, um, their first relationship is that substance. So I want you to talk about that. And sometimes their relationship with a substance overrides what what they have to offer to their partner. And it often shows up in my um, realm as a marital dysfunction, Mm -hmm. but it really is like someone is addicted to a substance and they're kind of married to that substance 
way more than they're married to their wife okay. or husband. Well, so what comes to my mind is um, thinking about the Maslow hierarchy of basic needs, mm -hmm. and we all have our belonging needs, mm -hmm. okay? And what happens, I'm going to call this acceptance highs, that our, our substance use gets to be to the extent that we are accepting a lot of negativity in our world that blocks us from developing healthy relationships with our families mm -hmm. and our friends. And this is what's going on because the drug is changing the, the brain chemistry and the, and the drug will say, well, you know what? I know you love her, but don't you love me more? Mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Don't you love me more? And, and, that individual, whether it's the male or the female, may find a reason to be upset. Okay, mm -hmm. you didn't take the roast out, <laughs> and so yes, now, yes, I this is so classic because they'll actually fight over nothing, it's an excuse. So that person could go off and gamble for 10 hours, right? Or I'm mad at you, I can't be around you. You're you're too much for me, but let me go have you know fifteen beers. Yeah. Like, and that's the craving. Yes, mm. that's the drug craving that's calling them in, and that comes before any anything. Um, the thought process has changed. See, your body, and I know my top. You, are, I'm preaching to the choir right now. Your body wants to stay in equilibrium. It wants to stay mm. in balance, homeostasis. Mm. And so, when you use a substance, your brain, the computer, is there to operate every other organ in your body to keep you functioning, to keep you alive. That's its goal. And when you put a substance, some some chemical, some toxin into the body, then the brains go, okay, let's see here. I can't, where am I going to put this? There's no use for this. It's not nutritional. Hmm. So what do I need to do? I need to hurry up and get it out of the system. And so now you're not high anymore. You, you, you're initially high. You need more. <laughs> okay, that yeah. dopamine rush because you activated all the neurotransmitters in your brain. Uh, the reward path is, is there. You're enjoying it. But the brain says, oh, no, 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 no. I got to get rid of this. This don't belong. Mm -hmm. And now you're not high. So now you use more. Yeah. And the body, it, your brain is still functioning to get that toxin out of its system so it can keep you alive. And now you're trying to stay sober. And the brain go, so, hey, buddy boy, where it at? Mm -hmm. Where is it? I've gotten used to keeping you alive with it. Now I want you to give it to me. <laughs> so if you go without eating food for a, a long period of time, you're going to get body signals mm -hmm. that tell you it's time to eat. It's going to be real low-key in the beginning. And if you continue to not eat, then you're going to feel headaches, you're going to get dizzy until yeah. you eat. So it goes from minor to extreme. It's like the alarm bells are just blaring, you know. Yeah. And that is what's going on. And I use that to help people understand the craving process. It is truly a hunger. Yeah. It is a hunger. And your, body, your brain has gotten used to functioning, keeping you functioning with the substance in your body. Now you're trying to get it out. And the brain is like, uh-uh, bring it back. Yeah. Bring it back. But you still have to fight those impulses, okay? You have to rewire your brain, and the best way to rewire your brain is to develop new habits. Mm -hmm. and that's Replacement the, habits, good replacement, habits. Replacement, <laughs> thank you, healthy habits, absolutely. Now, 
with the family, I, I have I, I, I cannot leave here without making this suggestion. There's an old movie called Under the Influence. Oh, uh, you okay. can find it on <laughs> you can find it on YouTube. It's uh it's back in the eighties. And it, it shows a family system, the dysfunction of a family system based around alcohol. It shows the different family members, the scapegoat, <laughs> the hero, mm. the mascot, the lost child, and the enabler, uh, as well as the addict. And if you watch this movie and you start looking at the roles, those family roles that are being played, you can see how... All that is contributing to the alcoholic remaining an alcoholic, mm. and the uh, and the uh, the likelihood of the children becoming drug addicts or alcoholics. So I I suggest that, and there's uh, a host of information out there on YouTube about addiction and teens and addiction and suicide. Yeah. You know. Uh, just a, a plethora of information out there to help you get a better understanding of what's happening. Was that the other movie we had our kiddos watch? Was it Pieces of April? I didn't know. I don't remember that one. Yeah, it's about a young adult who goes home for Thanksgiving, actually. So that that's another good movie. Yeah. To look into. So, and and today um, we're talking. I can't go without saying something about the opioid crisis. Yes. Okay. Oh, this is this is a big deal. Well, one of the things in treatment now, you know, we like I said earlier, uh, researchers are uh, looking into the brain and the brain pathways, and they're starting to narrow down the regions of the brain that uh, is most affected by a person's substance use. And uh, from the little bit of information that I read, I'm sorry I can't quote anything right now because it was just a, a perusal of some research information, that mm-hmm. they're able to give a person a substance like a stimulant, Mm-hmm. and have all the imaging um, equipment there and see where the region in the brain that is affecting and it matches what the person is saying because they, they're asking that individual to describe their euphoria and and they can see that, that what they're describing and what they see on the imaging correlates to one another. Oh, wow. okay. So I, I say all that to say that with new advances in uh, medicine, right. when they they do this, uh, get pinpoint these regions in the brain, now they can come up with medications that's going to help an individual not succumb to the cravings, hmm. you know, to that hunger, you know, to uh, do the substance. So with, with fentanyl, it's it's really is a dangerous drug, okay? Mm-hmm. But today, that fentanyl is mixed in so much stuff that an individual... Uh, let's say a teenager, just trying marijuana for the first time, and they don't know that it's been laced, Mm. okay, Mm -hmm. that teenager is likely to overdose and likely to die. So everyone has to be careful about what they use. I can make a pill, and it can be laced with fentanyl. There is a subset of fentanyl called carfentanyl that's even more... Uh, like a hundred times more potent than fentanyl. Oh, wow. And this is coming across the border from other countries. Okay? So right now in Los Angeles, they got a drug called Zombie. And it is fentanyl mixed with 
an animal tranquilizer. And it's coming. You know, things, drugs start off in one region and then it, it, it migrates to other areas. It's coming. And when I say zombie, I've always said a person on substance uh, is a zombie because you're not in their right mind and, you know, things like that. But this drug is called zombie. And the opioid antagonistic drugs like naloxone, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, and oxon, it's not going to do it. Wow. Okay. And the the animal trek tranquilizer, xylazine, if I'm not pronouncing that correctly, it's not a scheduled drug. It's not on the DEA scheduled drug list. It is a legal drug, and they're mixing this legal drug with fentanyl. That's dangerous. Yes, it is very dangerous. So um, be aware, be prepared. Unless you're growing marijuana yourself, you don't have any business smoking it. Okay? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. You know, because you don't know what is going on. Our kids, uh, Colorado was one of the first states to legalize marijuana. Mm-hmm. And they have more and more children, preteens, going into the emergency rooms because they're eating gummy bears that are laced with marijuana. Now that drink is coming out the, for college students. Oh, yeah. It's a spritzer, but it's infused, and there is no regulation. And... Um, yeah, it's going to be as literally a tsunami. Absolutely. And uh, one of my recent uh, individuals I talked with, he said he doesn't smoke marijuana. I said, but your, your drug screen was positive for marijuana. Help me understand how that could happen. He said, oh, that's simple. I have marijuana-infused butter, and I make cookies and brownies out of it. So, you know, you can test positive whether you're smoking it, snorting it, or eating it. Yeah. What happened with the legalization of uh, marijuana is that it normalized it, and then it's kind of tailoring it to all uh, social classes, and it made it chic. You know? You know, and and it's dangerous. Marijuana still is illegal on the federal level. It's a it's a uh, Schedule One substance, meaning that it has no medical benefits and cannot be prescribed. And you know, so it's one of those. Mm-hmm. All, you know, you don't do that. Now the states are saying, "Hey, federal government, we're gonna do what we want to do." And the Colorado made a ton of money. <laughs> yeah, and they're spending a ton of money on medical care, yeah. the emergency room visits, uh, the problems CPS. You know, because I hope you got a raise. <laughs> Because I'm going to have someone to talk to. <laughs> okay. So, you know, the, the state is having to deal with the legalization of marijuana. Yeah, just yeah. marijuana. Yeah. And then some states are talking about legalizing mushrooms. Yeah. You know, so people can get that yeah. experience. I want these lawmakers, these key people, to go spend just eight hours at an inpatient facility, whether, you know, I mean, every mental health inpatient facility has substance abuse involved. Right. And I wonder if they would change their mind. Because we've gotten to a point in our society where money doesn't protect you. You you can be a, I've treated people like senator of uh, the country has 
son is overdosed. I mean, this is our problem. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. Collectively, it's our problem. Right. So it's, it has to be our solution. Correct. Right. And uh, when you said that, it reminded me of one kid that was in a treatment facility where, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. this young lady, I guess she was around about 12 years old, um, 12, 13 years old, smoked marijuana for the very first time. And now she's in a mental health facility for the rest of her life. So we don't know if that marijuana was laced with something or because of her family history with mental health disorders, when she smoked it, it activated that part of her, that part of her brain. And, and, and she left us going into another facility, and I'm pretty sure she's going to be in a state facility for the rest of her life mm-hmm. just from smoking so marijuana. Okay, so if you have a family history of mental health disorders, you may not want to use any kind of substance. Stick with chai. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Chai, green tea. Yes, yes. There's so much to talk about. I'm so grateful for you. Okay, one last thing. If you are in need of treatment and you're trying to find a treatment facility, you can call 1-800-GET-HELP. Okay. That's 1-800-GET-HELP. That's great. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us, Matab, and thank you for, you know, like giving us this idea and bringing up on talking about this topic. There's still a lot we have to really cover and talk about, but today was there was a lot of seriousness to it, yes. and we had to bring that highlighted because it is a serious issue, and it's affecting a lot of people, our young, our youths, adults, everything. And we are running, we are trying to escape from our, you know, yes, life is hard. There are challenges, yes, but we have to face them. We cannot just be running towards things like, you know, substance, substance that harm us. So we have to realize that and being, you know, being supportive as a community, as a family, that is so important. Absolutely. So, yeah. And it begins in these spaces where we talk openly. Yes. Don't pretend like it doesn't exist. Yes. And bringing wisdom. Yes, absolutely. I didn't know all this new stuff, you know. Yeah. I'm learning Such an eye-opener, definitely. I mean, I was yeah. so shocked with many things that you you talked about today it is it's it's you know it's really hitting hard and especially when you ended it with a 12 year old girl and what you know how it started and where she is now it's very hard changed her life forever yes it changed her life yeah. forever and it changes a lot of people yeah so thank you listeners for joining in uh happy thanksgiving stay safe and we yeah. shall see you again next week signing off try time on 103.5 hum fm <laughs>